What is up and welcome into the Easy Smoke and the GM Podcast. I'm your host, Ezra McCann, and I'm joined as always by my outstanding co-hosts. We've got Brandon Williams, a.k.a. Coach Smoke. You know he played at Grambling. He was all swag second baseman there back in the day. And we've got our NFL draft analyst, Glenn Morgan. He's also a Madden Super Bowl champ. We'll throw that in there for him. (laughs) But we've got... A special guest here today. We've got former 89 flying a lion eye and 15 year NBA great Kendall Gill with us, man. We greatly appreciate you joining us. What's going on, buddy? How you doing? Good. Glad to be here with you guys, man. Ezra, this is the first time I've heard your your podcast voice in your TV voice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is the first time I've heard it. <laughs> I try not to, I try not to, to, to change it. It's I try not good, to. Man. It's pretty good. <laughs> hey, let's start. Let's start with you. Let's let's just break it down. We know what we're gonna be talking about. Is it over? Uh listen, you always have a chance, but I think after today it's gonna be really, really hard to to gather the troops and you know, now Caruso is out. You don't know whether he has a broken eye orbit. Um and the way that they've been beat the past two games, I think of 30 plus then 24 today. Um, you know, hey, listen, but we beat the uh, back in, uh, I believe that's 94 or 95. We beat the uh, Denver Nuggets in the first two games by 20 something. And they came back and beat us three games in a row. So, you know, I'd say it's 95% over, <laughs> but they still had that 5% <laughs> chance. I just I just feel like they had they had momentum, you know, coming out of game two. They did, yeah. They had that mm-hmm. momentum and it just got just got whisked away quick, you know, coming back yeah, home yeah. at in game three. It just was like they didn't even show up for game three. They played a little harder today, but uh yeah, I can't I can't see a way they can they can come back and 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 make this a series. Yeah, listen, they, they could possibly go anything's possible, but now that Grayson Allen has gotten going, um, Connellan is knocking down threes. Those guys weren't hitting those shots in the first two games. Right. You know, and, and you got Giannis now driving down the lane at will anytime he wants to. Now they've established the way that they want to play, you know, and, and I think that's what's going to be tough to stop them. Zach Levine, um, he's for all intents and purposes pretty much been invisible or not effective or he's been ineffective considering his all-star status and how much we as Bulls fans have looked to him to kind of be that face of the franchise. Are we seeing the real Zach or is playoff Zach still trying to find himself? Is he in the midst between what the playoffs are like and what the regular season is like? Where, where is Zach? Who is the real Zach? Yeah, I, I think we, we, we're not seeing the real Zach. I mean, this is his first time in playoffs. And also, he's been dealing with that knee injury. You look at that uh, perfect example. You look at the way he he got a fast break at the end of the game today. You look at the way he took off for a two hand dunk. And he is normally elbows over the rim. Uh-huh. He just barely got wrist over the rim uh, uh-huh. on that dunk. And you could tell, you know, just about he doesn't drive to the basket the way that he was in in the regular season. Uh, his attempts at the foul line have been down tremendously. Uh, you know, I it, it's his knee, man. You know, I spoke to him, and, and you know, he doesn't tell me how bad it is, but 
you know, I could tell, you know, that that uh, his knee is not 100%. So his inability to do other things besides just, you know, be athletic, his, his shooting, all these things are affected by his, basically his injuries and what have you. So yeah. what's the answer, you know, if, if the Bulls are going to have any kind of a chance in this playoff run, what's the answer? Does he have to be more decoy, more passer? What, what can he do to be more efficient to help this team? Because they are seriously struggling on offense. I think he has to be more of a standstill shooter. I think that he has to be a, a decoy that's a weapon. By that, I mean, I mean by you look at what Grayson Allen is doing. Grayson Allen is just mm-hmm. waiting. He's, he's, just, he's just waiting for Giannis to get double teamed or drive to the lane. He's not he, – he drove down to, down the lane a couple times, but for the most part in this series, Grayson Allen has been a sh- jump shooter. So what you do, you put Nikola Vucevic in the post, like, I, like I've been saying, passing the ball, let him score a couple times, then they're going to be forced to double team. You put Zach in the opposite corner of Nikola Vucevic and let him – and just wait for them to double team and swing the ball around and Zach and let him become a jump shooter. That's how you save his knees. You know, you know he's not 100%. Every once in a while, yeah, he can, he can bring the basketball down. But I can tell you this, if they keep in, – in game uh, five, if they let Zach initiate the offense tonight, he had 13 assists tonight. But if they let him initiate the offense, he's going to be no good. He's, he's too much usage on his knee right now. So now you got to play Io at the point guard if Caruso is not going to be in there. So it sounds to me a lot of what you're saying is adjustments. And if we're talking adjustments, Adjust. that yeah. leans towards the coaching staff, which leans towards the head of the coaching staff, which would be our head coach. <laughs> So are we starting to look at him a little side-eye with a raised eyebrow now? Should we be doing that? Or is he trying to figure out how to do things with guys that aren't completely healthy? Uh, you know, Glenn, that's a hard question. I don't, I don't know. Uh, he, he may be trying to do things with stuff that with, with guys that aren't completely healthy. Um, you know, it's his first year in the playoffs with this franchise as well. I, I think that if this was the third, fourth year, uh-huh. You know, we could possibly put a magnifying glass on it. But, you know, this team, uh, some of the adjustments in this playoff series have, have been, you know, I've wondered why they haven't happened. But, right. you know, I don't know why we, you know, I don't know whether we can completely put the blame on the adjustments just yet. Because, you know, we look at DeMar. Mm-hmm. Okay, DeMar has had one good game in this mm-hmm. series. You know, that being game two. I think... You know, my brother, my brother texts me and says, DeMar is a gun. I'm like, yeah. I'm like, yeah, but that's pretty much how he became successful. You know, it's okay, it's okay to be a gun if you can pass the basketball out effectively and make the right plays when you're being double and triple team. It's okay to be a gun. Right. But if you keep – trying to shoot the ball with your triple team and you, you know you got other players then then that's that that becomes a problem i mean the bulls had 27 assists tonight okay so they did move the basketball i think where they got beat on a three-point shooting the i think the bucks shot 50 percent. they were like 14 of uh 35 i believe the bulls were nine of 36 you know from three-point line and and i think that's where 
the game was 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 lost, you know. And you know, Will said this on the air earlier. He said defensively, he he thought that the game was lost there. Yes, but anytime you have that amount, that type of discrepancy from the three point line, mm-hmm. you know, that's and you know what, one of the things too, I think if you're you're uh, uh, the Bulls front office, you got to go get a shooter. You know, because that's the one place. Yes. We, like, we don't we don't have a, a Connaughton or a, what's the kid's name down in uh, uh, Miami that just a designated Duncan, shooter. Duncan Robinson. Duncan Robinson. You know, a guy like that. Yeah, yeah. I was I was going to touch on that, and you you said it. Uh, I guess my question is: the first two games, it seemed like the the defensive effort was was really there those first two games. And do you think, like we said, we were, like we opened, we were saying, do we think we were uh, okay with just getting one game? Or or did we wake up the beast and and prove to Milwaukee, like, hey, if you bull jive with us, you can mess around. And we just woke them up and they just stepped it up another level. Or do you think it's the lack of, effort on our end after getting that one in that one win i think we woke up the beast (laughs) um and when we woke up the beast we didn't go to our other weapons to cut him cut his feet off (laughs) (laughs) you know what i mean (laughs) so you know we beat him one way but then you gotta you gotta come up with like you know you guys and i was cliche but the playoffs are all about adjustment yeah you know it's true we didn't make the necessary adjustments to to deal to counteract what they were doing in game three and game four. You know what? Well, I, why didn't why didn't we go in and, and hard foul Grayson Allen or Bobby Portis? You know you don't let him. This guy this guy broke one of our guys' wrists. Yep. Yep. We, now he now yeah. now he's breaking our spirits by just draining threes over and over, over, and over. Just, just breaking our spirits man i'm like what would, would somebody just go and give him a hard foul and run through him do it a couple times you know bobby Poy, i like bobby Poy because i loved him when he was here with the bulls but mm-hmm. he's on the other side now right mm-hmm. you know and, and i know zach had the the dust up with him earlier i mean later in the game but why not do that early right why not do that early? Just go, we, just go foul him. We were down Real twenty hard, at that right? point. That was it, was. it was over at that point. <laughs> yeah, we were down twenty at that point. It didn't matter, you know. So I think that this this playoff series will be a learning experience for these younger bulls, um, you know. But the veterans, the veterans should know. What's the what's know? the what's the difference in in everybody talks about the the, the difference in playoff basketball from the regular season? What what mm. changes when when we get to this? the second season here the attention to detail you know what they're going to do you know their offense because you had seven seven days to prepare for them you got you got you got four out of seven games to play them or seven games for that matter you know what they're going to run it all comes down to execution and the intensity on the defensive end every 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 time i played i noticed everybody's defense got better you know, that we were playing against. And the intensity level went up and the attention to detail as far as you're running your offensive sets, it, 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 it becomes 100% better. I mean, everybody just finds fine-tunes the offense. And 
they they everyone goes to their go-to plays more so than often. You know what Milwaukee's go-to play is? Get a ball to Giannis, let him go down in the lane, mm-hmm. Spread let, him, let him, let him. And the thing is, what 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 we're not realizing as a team is that if you don't get in Giannis's face, full court or half court, he's going to get into the lane. And the the thing you aren't doing, you're you're allowing the Giannis has two two Giannis has two moves: the spin move spin when he gets in the lane, mm-hmm. and the euro step. Yeah, okay, mm-hmm. when he gets there because he's six foot eleven, he's long, he's strong, and and Glenn, we discussed this the other day. I, I forget what you called him. You called him a rhinoceros in the bull shop or something like that. Not a good, not a bull, <laughs> but rhinoceros. Right. Yeah. So Just go straight. That's that's what he is. You, I mean, you saw how many times he knocked our guys over today. We got a couple of charging calls, but what happens when you pick him up full court or half court? You force him now. You turn him now. He doesn't have those open looks because right now, because we're not in front of him, not only is he trying to get his offense, but he can see his teammates. Uh-huh. Yeah. You know, when you pick him up full and half court, now he's worried about handling the basketball. Let me spin. Let me do this. Let me do that. You know, it's <laughs> it ain't that hard, y'all. No, no, it's not. <laughs> you, remember, it, you, you, you remember how Scotty used to guard Mark Jackson in the playoffs? Remember how he guarded Magic Johnson in the first championship series? He picked Magic on full court, didn't he? And he kept turning them, turning them. That's the greatest point guard of all time. And if it worked against him, it'll definitely work against Giannis. Isn't that what what Kawhi did to him that year? Yes. Kawhi did that to him in Toronto. They built the wall and he picked them up pretty much full court and just pick them up full court. Put a wall up and made them, yeah. So who is that guy that can do that? Who's the guy that's going to – it's, it's got to be P. Will, physically. It's got to be, be P. Will, yeah. And and he's not – he being P. Will, I'm going to get that in a moment, is not doing much offensively. So, hey, look, young blood, if you're going to be out here, you're the youngest, you've played the least amount this year, so you should have the most energy on top of being the youngest. And you've got the length, and you have enough of a physical presence. I'm not saying you're stronger. Obviously, you're not stronger. But enough of a physical presence that you can do like what you said Scotty was doing. Pick him up full court steer him towards where you can better defend him and better wall him off. And it, it, that's, that's the thing, Kendall. It doesn't, we know we're sitting here talking about this and we're all sitting from, you know, I know we're at home and I know the three of us haven't played at any kind of level comparatively, but it doesn't seem like it's that complicated. And, this, and we've already seen this work. We've seen this work against Giannis for not just one season, but a couple of seasons in the, in the, post, in the post seasons. Now, we've seen that. Now, his players around him have gotten better. He's had better shooters, so on and so forth. And Giannis has gotten a little bit better at distributing the ball. But like you said, laterally, he's less effective than when he's going straight down. So why aren't we doing Do we just not have, I don't know, what, is, it, is, is it the intellect on our team in terms of basketball IQ, or is it not enough cojones? I'm not trying to call anybody out, but is it just not enough <laughs> desire to deal with Giannis physically for that length of time, or, or what? Uh, what is it? It may be the the lack of desire to want to deal with him for forty eight minutes. But you know what I would do, Derrick Jones Jr. Listen, we know you. Can, we know we cannot handle you. Cannot handle him in the post. But what I want you to do when you're in the game, we want you to dog. I don't care if he has the basketball. Be in front of him. As soon as the ball goes through the basket, dog him. Make him turn him. 
because Derrick Jones Jr. actually will have the advantage when he's in the backcourt or when he's at half court because he's, he's faster laterally than Giannis. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, Giannis has a high dribble. Mm-hmm. When I used to steal the ball, and I was a master at stealing the ball from the guy. So what I would do to him, you wait for Giannis to have the basketball in, in this position. And when he do does this motion to put it down, that's when you go after the steal. Okay. A lot of guys don't know that. You know what I mean? But steal the ball from him a couple times. May turn him a couple times. I guarantee you, you're going to take 25% of his offense away. And also, you're going to take those open looks that his teammates get. The other day in game, in game three, he did. He, he brought the basketball up. P. Will picked him up. P. Will actually stopped him. But because he, because he wasn't turning him, he just threw the ball right to Bobby Porter. Bobby Porter walked right into a three-point shot. <laughs> right. You, know, you, know, you got to give Giannis things to think about. That, that, that's the one thing that, that, that we have not seen with Giannis yet. How does he deal with the game when you take his main strength away? Mm-hmm. You know, how does he deal with it? Let's see. Let's put him to the test. Uh, you know, the, the times that has been done to him before he's failed. Right. You, you know what I've seen? Uh, oh, I shouldn't say, of course, nobody knows what I've seen, so I tell you, but <laughs> what I... What, what I'm seeing and what I've seen throughout this series, our baskets is, takes us so long to get a basket, to get in position to try and score a basket. And I'm seeing Milwaukee, everything is at their time, at their pace. They're not in a hurry at all. They're just doing stuff when everyone's walking in the threes. Grayson Allen, Connaughton, even though he's missing them earlier on. Uh, the other brother, Wesley, uh, you know, I think, I think it's Matthews. Matthews, Matthews. Yeah. Matthews, I'm sorry. What's the Matthews? Matthews. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, Bobby, these guys are just, walk- and Drew, the guys are just walking into their shots. They're like they dog walking us every damn time they get the ball offensively. And when we get there, we're being dogged. You know, we're just being dogged by these guys. Like, I, you know, I remember just in, in my mind, I said, I wanted to talk about this. I saw uh, DeRozan. It took him like 15 or 20 seconds just to get from the top of the key to try. And he ended up, you know, scoring a basket, but it just took so long. And it's just like, man, every shot just seems so difficult. And we talked about that before a little bit mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. So is, is that coaching? Is that the players not making the adjustment? Or is it C, both A and B? I think, I think it's both. both. Um, because you look at DeMar, when he's bringing the basketball up, he's looking to score. He's not looking to, like, run the offense. He's looking, where can I get to my spot and mm-hmm. score? It takes him a long time to look at the defense and then – you know, finally figure out when it's time to score, okay? When you saw the Bulls a couple times today, when Caruso pushed it, they had good shots. Mm-hmm. You know, they don't have Lonzo Ball in the game. He's yes. not, yeah. So they don't have a guy that's going to push the basketball to make the pace of the game faster. That's that's the one thing Lonzo would do. He would take the ball out of, out of DeMar's hands a lot because he's pushing it. Mm-hmm. Guys would run a lot faster because they know, look, they know if Demar has the basketball, he ain't passing, dog. <laughs> he ain't right. passing, so we just gonna, we just gonna jog up up the floor and and just wait, you know. So when you get into that mode, then it becomes a, a detriment to your team because now, like you said before, the baskets are so much harder to come by. You know, they one thing that impressed me about the Bulls today is that they ran a piece of the triangle offense and Caruso did it all on his own. He passed the basketball on the left wing 
cut down and picked Vooch on the block, mm. on the opposite block. Vooch came right in the middle of the lane, got the ball, hook shot over at Giannis. Where's that been? I'm like, I'm like, why don't y'all? <laughs> and then guess what happened? The very next play, they shoot a three. <laughs> I'm like, what are you guys doing? Go right back to what is working for you, man. Mm. It boggles me. It boggles my mind. <laughs> looking, looking ahead, um, do you think this is the core that 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 they should be building around, or they need to make make some changes? I like the core. We can't we can't say uh, or make any significant changes until you see them a full season healthy with Lonzo Ball. We don't we don't know how the season ends with with Lonzo Ball. We don't know uh, how these playoffs go with Lonzo Ball in the lineup. Um, you know, so I think we got to wait until you know we see. Uh, that dynamic on the floor. I mean, look, guys, for 60 games, we led the Eastern Conference. So we, we got something, okay? It's just that we just were decimated by all of the injuries that we had and, you know, players not playing with one another for, for a period of time. Zach being injured right now, you know. So I, I, would, I would keep them together possibly uh, another season. Uh, to see what happens when they're fully healthy and add another shooter to the mix. Mm-hmm. So, 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 so you're saying Zach gets max? I think he's going to get max, you know, especially the way he's <laughs> gutted it out too, you know. Uh, I mean, what, what, what do you guys think they do if they don't max? They I mean, I don't, they, I don't think they have a choice. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's a choice. the thing. Have a choice to do. What choice do they really have? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, they don't, they don't have a choice, and you know if you didn't, if you if you try to play hardball with with Zach, now you're gonna you don't want to piss off All Star coming back to camp. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly right. Yeah. So, all right, your you, your time in the NBA, you know, in the playoffs, and uh, the various teams you're on that comprise those playoff teams. What did those teams have that you see or that you see is lacking with this current Bulls organization? So your Charlotte team, your, your Seattle SuperSonics team, your uh, New Jersey Nets team. What did those teams have? Because I remember even with the Nets, you guys gave the Bulls more fits than I think the Bulls were, were expecting to have. So yeah. what what was the composite of those teams or teammates you had on those teams that that you guys had that made you you know viable playoff teams? Do you see maybe lacking with this current Bulls team? Inside play. That's an easy question. Inside play. I think that our center uh, is before today's game was averaging nine three-pointers a game in the first three games. You know, went four for eight in game two. But, you know, the other two games just did not shoot a high percentage. I think that he is one of the best Back to the basket, East Eastern Conference centers. And well, forget Eastern Conference. I think in, in, in the league, back to the basket guys in the league. I mean, are you going to block this shot every once in a while? Yeah, but everybody gets their shot blocked every once right. in a while. But he commands a double team. He puts the pressure on you. And when he's scoring the basketball, 
And we're just not utilizing that. That's like, you know, you guys know I love boxing and, and I use all the boxing analogies and everything, but that's like Floyd Mayweather not using his right hand, his check hook, his, his jab to the body, you know. Hmm. Bulls aren't using all of their weapons. And I think with Vucevic out on the perimeter that it clogs up driving lanes for guys. Hmm. You know, it makes it harder for Zach to get to the basket. It makes it harder for DeMar to get to the basket because Vuce's defensive man is out right. on the perimeter helping. Yeah, right next to him. <laughs> right next to him, yeah. So, I mean, where, where are they going to go? Yeah, because you know, that, that, that's why. Oh, my bad. I'm sorry. No, go ahead. Go ahead. You got it. Well, I was just gonna say because something has to be said that Vooch is like the only person that gets wide open shots. Wide open shots. <laughs> and something them. has to be said of that. He's on the yeah. perimeter. He's literally the only one that legit gets wide open shots, and he just keeps taking them and keeps missing them. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's that's what Milwaukee's offense is designed to do is designed to give the guy who they want to take three-point shot. Mm -hmm. It's designed to make him take the three. So, you know, I love the I love the set that they ran today when they just ran a simple cross screen to Rucci. He, he was wide open. Giannis did not know how to deal with getting around a pick. Mm. And, it was, and it was set by Caruso. Oh, Giannis yeah. just died on the pick. He didn't mm. even make an attempt to get around it. And if I see that, I'm like, oh, okay. We found a weakness. Uh -huh. He can't get he can't get through picks. So now what I do? I send a double screen at Giannis now. Uh -huh. Boom, boom. Right. Have Vooch come around. Now Giannis is like, oh, damn. Now I got to get around two of these. I, I don't know how to do it. I'm telling you, man. I'm telling you, bro. <laughs> 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 But you gotta right. have, but you, but you also gotta have the, the right point guard or guy who's handling the basketball on the floor that recognizes. Okay, we found something. Now let's keep going back to it. We need a guy that's like, hey, yo, Demar, get the basketball up, babe. We're going to the hot hand now. Uh -huh. You know that. That's another thing that I think that the Bulls next season have to grow in. You know that aspect of okay, who's got the hot hand? Okay, we're going to go to – because Vooch in game one had the hot hand. I know he missed a layup at the end of the game, mm -hmm. but he had the hot hand, man. And then we, we come out of a um, timeout, and DeMar, who's not having a very good shooting game at all, comes around to pick and, and shoots the basketball when it really should have gone, gone to Vooch. Okay. You know, for a much easier shot. So, it's just, it's just maturity, learning how to play, man, and, you know, getting playoff experience. Uh, so, you – Again, you just gave us a little insight with your basketball acumen defensively when you see something, what to do and how to attack. With that in mind, defensively, when you were playing, who were the five guys that were the most difficult for you to defend, yet you looked for the challenge of defending them? Man, you took my question. <laughs> my bad, dude. Ed's wanted to know. <laughs> Well, you guys, of course, you guys know I did a list a long time ago about the five hardest, well, no, the 10 hardest players for me to, to defend. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there were, there were all great players. Um, the, I believe the fifth was uh, Vince Carter. 
was five. Um, Reggie Miller was four because of all of the picks that you had to go through with Reggie. I mean, I, I remember guarding Reggie, man. I would take Advil before the game. Because oh, wow. I knew, I knew going through them picks, <laughs> going through those picks, bro. I was them big, them big Davis boys. All right, right. Rick Smith. them Davis brothers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man, I, I was, I was getting ready to get hit for real. Um, so after Reggie and and Reggie, man, he was so fast, man. People don't know he's six foot seven, but that mm-hmm. dude could run fast and he could run for days. You know, and, and, and he'd set you up. I'm sorry, you know what? Because I'm looking at my list now. Fifth was Kobe. Mm. Uh, Vince was six. So Kobe was, and I'll tell you guys why, Kobe was was so was good because he was basically Michael, but he would add something to his game every summer. Mm. You know, and, and then you'd have to deal with that aspect of his game that was different. When you thought you prepared for one thing, now here he comes with something different. Mm-hmm. Um, wasn't as great of an athlete as Michael, wasn't as strong as Michael, wasn't as fast as MJ, but he was the closest thing skill-wise to, to MJ. And he had, and he sort of had the, the same mentality. Uh, I just explained to you why Reggie Miller was. Uh, Grant Hill was third. Yeah. Okay, and, and uh, Grant, just six eight man. He had a he had a he had a wicked crossover dribble. Um, didn't have a really like a deep jump shot, but had, right. his mid range game man, his mid range game was awesome. And then when he took you to the post, you know he could shoot over you at being at six foot eight and had a high 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 basketball IQ. So and and you know a lot of people mistake that pretty boy face and all oh, he went to do. Uh-huh. Grant had some dog in him. He had a lot of dogs. Okay. Well, a lot. Of, I think a, a lot of kids don't understand how good Grant Hill was just because of oh. at the end all the injuries. Yeah. But for the first, the first six years of his career, he was man. He was that dude, man. Man, if he, if he had not hurt, yeah, if he had not hurt his ankle, man, Lord knows where we would be talking about him as far as the all-time greats. Because I think he had an opportunity to to, to really get up there. You know, the second. Second, you guys already already know. Man, people argue with me about my second guy. They're like, "No way, MJ could be second. <laughs> I like, "Hold up, you telling you telling me?" I said, "You telling me that he that that you know M, MJ should be number one." When I was the one on the floor guarding, okay, MJ was the best basketball player I ever played with uh, against, rather. But he was he, he was awfully hard to guard. But he wasn't the hardest for me to guard. Um, MJ had no weaknesses, man. I, and when I tell you that, I mean none. Okay, even his three-point shooting. People talk about, oh, well, Kobe was a better three-point shooter. Give MJ the ball when he really needed a three-point shot. <laughs> he gonna knock it down. Right. Okay. <laughs> so you know, and then you throw in a triangle offense, which and, and I believe that triangle offense, the hardest offense I've ever had to guard, even to this day you know, made him twice as hard to guard because he had all, he had every tool in the toolbox, plus wicked athleticism, plus wicked competitiveness, you know, plus he had the refs inside, bro. I mean, he, I mean, I mean, even like when I came to Chicago, even when I, when I got out after the game, I went out to dinner, I gave my car to the valet, they called a foul on me. 
I'm like, what are you talking about? I'm, I'm trying to park my car, dog. He's like, no, no, you in town. You got it, MJ. You fouled him. <laughs> so, so, I mean, he really did have the refs on his side, though, man. I mean, and he had all those advantages in, you know, the league, you know. Right, you, right. you know they're going to show you his newspaper. But the all-time hardest player I had to have to guard was Chris Jackson, Mahmoud Abdul-Raouf. Now. Wow. You know. Tell that I story, was, Kendall. Yeah, tell that story to play. Yeah, when when <laughs> when I was well, not not in the playoffs. I'm gonna tell you the one at LSU when I first guarded him. Oh, okay. Uh, the first time I guarded him, you know, I the day before we came in uh, to LSU, and back then, you know, we were flying a line at. We 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 wanted we that we we a dope right. team now. We getting ready <laughs> right. to be the, like the number one team in the country, and we come in. We see I see him over in the corner talking to the reporters. I was like, man, that little dude, man, we getting ready, to, we getting ready to smash him. Steve Bardo, 6'6", six, six, defensive player again in the Big Ten, me 6'5", long, athletic range. I'm like, we're going to watch. So the next day comes, and Coach Henson gives me the assignment. And I'm like, okay. So the tip-off happens. Chris catches the basketball. So I get down in my stance, and he's coming down with the ball. All of a sudden, I hit a crowd cheer. <laughs> I was like, hold on, what happened? This dude had already scored. <laughs> I didn't even see him score, man. I didn't, I didn't see him score. And I, I looked back and Kenny Battle was taking the ball out of that net. I was like, how the hell did this happen? <laughs> you know? So you just couldn't see his offense coming, man. He was just so fast. Um, you know, using one of my boxing analogies again, you guys remember how Manny Pacquiao used to fight and he throw punches from all over different angles, and you couldn't see him coming. He used to just overwhelm his opponents. That's exactly how Chris Jackson's offense is. Even to this day, he's still killing dudes in the big three. In the big yeah. three, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, hey, before before we let you go, man, um, you look behind my my shoulder here. Wait, if I can move. It's the NBA Jam. <laughs> yeah, that's video game earlier. back there. Yeah, 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 yeah. You are on the game. Hey, thank you, man. I want to <laughs> know when it first came out, did you play as Kendall Gill on that game? I have never played NBA Jam. <laughs> I have never played it. <laughs> I've never played it. I don't even know how to play the video games like that, man. <laughs> but I appreciate you doing that for me. Yeah, well, I, I, I want you to know you you one of the one of the best players on that game. Uh oh, cool. ratings wise. So you you should you should know that. Well, thanks, man. Can they give yeah. me can can they give me my defensive player of the year? I'm looking for my all defensive yeah. team. No, nah, there wasn't much defense played on NBA Jam. But, uh, <laughs> oh, <okay>. yeah. <laughs> it was it was more of a of a of a of an offensive uh, dunk machine game. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Just yeah, I, man, I had to know, ask that question. You know, that's 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 one of the things that uh, you know when I think about my uh, my career. I'm most disappointed. I, I felt like I should have made the All-Star team a couple of times, you know, um, especially in 1997. I felt, but the most disappointing thing that, that still bothers me to this day when I see all defensive teams come, come out is that I never got on the all-defensive team, you know, because I prided myself on my defense. You know, I, I used to stop dudes and, you know, I set a record. Uh, or tied the record with Larry Keenan for most steals in an NBA game, and also led the league in steals that that season. You know, 
uh, you know, I felt like, man, dude, I I was just y'all 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 don't know, I was just sitting there waiting for the all defensive selection to come, right? Wow. And I'm and I was back home. And I was the season was over, and I was sitting in my mom and dad's house. I never forget. And they announced the all defensive team. Man, I was heartbroken, bro. Mm. I was like, what? I was like, how these dudes get on the all defensive team and they didn't do what I did, you know? And I was locking up guys, man. I was, uh, it took me, well, I still haven't recovered from them because every time the all defense team come out, I still get pissed off. <laughs> 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 no, I'm looking, at, I'm looking at guys like Kirk Heinrich make the all defensive team and this and that. And, you know, not, not saying Kirk, Kirk deserved to make it, but I'm just like, dude, these guys that make the all defensive team now, you know. Uh, you know, I can't, I can't fault them or anything, but I just wish they would have, would have gave me my due, man. Because you know, defense was my thing. I scored the basketball, but I, I love playing defense more than anything. Well, just know there's a bunch of South Side kids, man, that that looked up to you uh, hey, back in the day. You, me, me, one of them. Uh, hey, I mean, I you, that. you, Kenny Battle, uh, Steve Bardo, Nick Anderson, Lowell Hamilton. Uh, yeah, Irvin Small, man, I, I I looked up to you guys, man. So so uh, so just know that. Hey, thanks, I I really appreciate that, man. You know, and uh, you know I appreciate you guys too. You know, we work we work together and everything. We talk about sports and everything, and I I really enjoy the talks uh, when we're in the studio. And and I appreciate you guys having me on your podcast. You know, finally. Uh, you know, I know you guys have all these guests and everything. I'm glad y'all able to. <laughs> hey, man, I just, I, I just, man, I, I didn't want to bother you, man. That's all, man. You know, everybody want to get you on, man. So, you know, but we, yeah. man, we greatly appreciate it, man. No doubt. Yeah, I appreciate, appreciate it, man. It. I appreciate it. All right, all right. Yo, so it's always good talking to Kendall, man. We always have a good time at the job chopping it up with him. So uh, glad he was able to join us today. Um. Let's keep going just with the rest of the NBA playoffs. Uh, as we sit now, uh, no one's moved on yet as, we, as we're talking. But uh, yeah. uh, Nuggets took out the Warriors uh, earlier today uh, to win their first Stay game alive. of that series. So they, they're staying alive. Golden State leads 3-1. to one. Um, Did I see and I say I haven't really been, been watching all that much, but is, is Curry coming off the bench? Yeah, he's been coming off the bench this series. He was hurt, remember? Right, so, right, right, coming in, so, right, right. So, for game so they didn't want to, they didn't want to uh, upset the Africa. They didn't want to disrupt the, they didn't want to disrupt the flow of uh, Jordan Poole. So they've been keeping Curry coming off the bench. I mean, like Draymond say though, at some point, Steph Curry can't keep coming off the bench. But, <laughs> yeah, he, <laughs> but well, he also, but 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 he also said, but also. Jordan Poole can't come off the bench, so we got to figure something out. Yeah. <laughs> well, Steph scored a, scored thirty three points and had eight assists uh, cool. in Game Four. Jokic scored thirty seven the night, by the way. Again, uh, but yeah, again. <laughs> so uh, that, like I said, that series going going to a fifth game. Uh, Golden State up three to one. Um, we're talking now. The Heat are up in their uh, in their game against Game Three, or it's going Game Four uh, against Damn. the Hawks. They're up twenty, so it looks like they're going to pull that game off. Uh, is this Game at, Four, or Game Five? This is Game Four. Game Four, yeah, yeah. Game Four in that series. 
Um, that's been an interesting, interesting back and forth there. Uh, what else we got? Boston. Real. I think we got to talk talk about them. Up 3-0 on, uh, on Brooklyn. I did not see that happening. I knew it was going to be a series. Right. And I figured that it would be one that could, you know, it could it could go six or seven, but yeah, up three zero. Yes, that's gonna be yeah. hard for Brooklyn to come back. Well, They're no doubt. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 it's, it's no way I can see them coming back. <laughs> no, they don't have the, the cohesion as a team yet, and even Kyrie yeah. is kind of saying that you know we just everyone's still getting used to playing with everybody and that's that's been a problem that's kind of i think i can't remember who said it best but uh, i think it was uh what's the guy uh on fox um first things first nick Wright. nick Wright. nick Wright. he was talking with bomani on uh, game theory uh, bomani's new show oh, okay. game theory and he was like he said yeah the nets is always, nets are always the best team for next year to where we're talking about they're always next year's but they're always next year's best team <laughs> and I think that's it's, what the Nets are. Man, it, 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 it's so hard to take what Nick Wright say as, like, to heart, because he's such a LeBron lover that <laughs> everything he everything he feels is, has an angle that makes LeBron look good. But this is one instance where he's 100% <laughs> correct. He's yeah. 100% right. Like, like yeah. if there's one instance where he's right, he's right, man. And yeah, but is it, what isn't I, that isn't that Kyrie's fault though? He, well, I think at that point, as we're saying percentages, you know, because I, I look at KD and be like, dude, yeah, you you the you the goat, quote unquote, on that team. You need to be more assertive. And I, we don't know that he is or isn't, but it doesn't seem like he is. I'm not thinking about him on the court. I'm talking about like behind the stuff that we can't see, like. You know, you need to be emphatic about wh- who you are, what you expect, and what this team needs to do. And they need to they need they need to toe the line that you're pulling. He he just letting the line sit there. He ain't pulling the line. He's like he's like I'm just one of the guys. You, you can't you can't be just one of the guys. Yeah. You got to be the guy. Yeah, yeah. I I think you can blame Kyrie for you know the different issues they had throughout the season. Maybe with Harden leaving you know, because of the uncertainty and stuff of that nature worn out. But but this series, this series, oh, man, I don't want to blame anyone on the Nets. I I, I kind of more want to give a lot of more credit to Boston. Okay. Because they are, they are playing physical with these guys. And for so long, we've heard how, per se, the 90s physicality would not affect these guys because they're so skilled. KD is flustered out there. He can't do a thing. They are beating him. They are bumping him, touching him up, roughing him up. He looked like he's seeing ghosts out there. He's turning the ball over. Like, like it's not him just being bad. They Mm. are making him bad. And that that's what that's what I see. I like I don't think if Kyrie played the full season, they would necessarily play much different than they do because they never was a defensive team. So like they were always an offensive team ran by running the ball through Katie and Kyrie. So 
what Boston is doing has taken they pretty much taken both of them out, honestly, after the one game Kyrie had that was amazing. But other than that, they've been they've been getting in them guys defensively, man. And so I think it's just they they're being exposed with the physicality of the game. Yeah. Well, they're they're on the brink of elimination. <laughs> so uh should be interesting this week. It'll be quite crazy if they be it'd be quite crazy if they be the only team to not win a game because in the first so, round. I can't remember who said it because everyone like, has. Yeah, right. right. <laughs> everyone has. <laughs> I can't remember who said it. It's like the Nets ain't gonna get off the first round of playoffs. I I that I, I thought the Nets might be the most dangerous team entering the playoffs. I really thought Dude, so. that's what I thought. Being a being that they were the seven seed, mm-hmm. uh, I thought that they would they would have figured it out by now. You got arguably the the best player on the planet uh, on your side, and 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 you got Kyrie. They should be better than what they what they're showing. Now, um, uh, also another another X factor: Ben Simmons out there. I know he's not going to play tomorrow Ooh. night for Game Four. We, I'm just saying, it's interesting. Interesting, they made that trade, and Ben is nowhere yeah. to be found. Everybody thought the Nets got. That's everybody thought the Sixers got fleeced. But yeah, that well, that speaks to Nick's right point. It's about <laughs> next year, man. About next year. Look, got it. Look, because because you, because realistically, you can't you can't. Ignore what the possibility could be next year. Like yeah. Ben Simmons play all games, and he's the defensive guy that he's been throughout his career. That could single handedly help that team be yeah. much better. Like so, yeah, yeah next year, <laughs> next year. <laughs> hey, uh, Toronto was able to get a game, yeah, and. Uh, Almost could have had two. Their really. series with Philly, Almost they're down 3-1. Uh, they without Fred, though, right? Embiid has torn yeah. ligaments in his right thumb. I wonder yeah. how that's going to affect him. Now, he says he's going, he's going to continue to play through it, but uh, that – yeah. Maybe not can, this series, but – It can be – it can be exposed. It can be made an issue next series, I'll say. Right. Yeah. Versus Miami. Couple a couple of forearms to the thumb. That's what I'm saying. Miami would be the team. Try to try to irritate it. (laughs) Hell, not even that. Just being forced to have to make more difficult shots, Mm -hmm. and you you don't have that same you know elasticity with your your thumb, you know, or that same feel. And can he be as? Because he's pretty aggressive with taking contact to get to that free throw line. Yeah, right. Could he? Could he still do that with that being a factor? So maybe I think what you'll see a lot less of, or either a lot less of, a lot more of. I think you'll see him out on the perimeter less because I don't know if he'd be able to handle the ball as much as he does. On a drive, right? <laughs> and so he may be down low, so he doesn't have to deal with the ball handling as much. And he may be more of a passer. He may have to pass more out of the post be more effective offensively which you know hey in a weird way could make the team better and could make uh add another dimension a more uh, a dimension people have to defend more so now than they normally have to 
So if he's smart about it, or I'm not trying to insult his intelligence or anything, but I mean, if he's savvy about it, if he has a positive outlook on, okay, how I can make a negative into a positive, I think that's one way he can do it as opposed to, you know, being used to his game the way it, it has been. Because uh, it's going to be difficult to handle the ball, like you said, uh, smoke driving to the basket when that thumb is an issue and you got the Miami Heat playing defense on you. That's a whole different level of defense. So he's got the size. Nobody in Miami can mess with him size-wise. So I think he needs to assert himself if, you know, that's who they play, so on and so forth. But I think that's where he has to be most effective and help the team out. All right. And then um, what am I missing here? Gotta, oh, gotta Dallas, go to my favorite. Dallas, series. Utah. Oh, nah. We're not. We're gonna get there in a sec. Dallas, Utah tied at two. Tied at two yeah, right I, now. It's weird. Uh, they lost the game. Luca come back. Yeah, isn't that, yeah. <laughs> At yeah. the Brunson went crazy oh, to win them too. Yeah. Yeah. That's, you get used to playing a certain way, then the guy comes back and everyone defers to him. And, but they out of mm-hmm. sorts now. They, they were getting used to getting the ball here or whatever that flow sometimes man, when the star comes back that flow gets interrupted you know you get to take yeah. the game to adjust to readjust to the new to the to the main guy yeah, hey so. that's i'm gonna remember that point if yeah i was i was hoping this i was hoping I this mean, series the, could the, the bucks i was hoping this series could end uh sooner than it looks like it will so we could start some talk about a center coming coming this way but uh yeah we'll we'll we'll, we'll taper that off uh, I think smoke. I think you want to talk about New Orleans Phoenix. Is that the one? No, no, not at all. What series? Not you at all. Minnesota Memphis. <laughs> man. Minnesota Memphis. Yeah. Minnesota Memphis. Tied that series two. has been amazing, man. That's <laughs> been one of the funnest series to watch. Look, that's been one. Have of you the funnest have you seen uh, Cat and? Uh, and um, uh, Jaws uh, dad's, yeah, Jaws dad's going at it, man. Look, <laughs> that's hey, that's hilarious. Like, that's like the <laughs> coolest thing on TV right now. Like, like to watch them next to each other like that, and like, like being look like to be real tight, rooting for their sons. <laughs> like, it, it is dope. It's dope. It's just, it, they say it's some type of dad's group oh, in okay. the NBA. Okay. That's how they be. Canned. It's too. It's too much for me, man. Because they they going. It's going bucket for bucket. Every time they going they going back and forth at each other, bucket for bucket. It's like my God, it's a long game. You can't have this man, much look, energy, but it's real. It's real. It's real cool though. Look, man. I told cool my boy. I told my boy. He was like at the at the Minnesota blew that twenty six point lead. He say it's no way they win another game. I say, hey, listen. Minnesota is not smart enough to realize <laughs> to realize they just blew a massive lead. Oh. They will come out game four and probably win because they just they they are young and dumb. Right, and right. Pat Bev is the right person to put with them because he brings all that foolishness out of all of them. And I love it. I love it, man. I love it. That's what we need. We need something like that here. Personality. Well, they've got their game five is Tuesday night, so uh, so they'll be back Tuesday night. Can't wait. Or T. Can't, can't, can't wait. Wait. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, playoff playoffs. Um, they they've been all right so far, man. They've been all right. Yeah, been good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Bulls gave us two good ones. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> right. 
and they'll be out Wednesday. Hey, I, th- I thought they were gonna get swept, so good for them. They 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 got one. They got that one. Hey, let's move on to uh, the NFL. The draft is coming up this week, starting wow. Thursday. Yeah, man. Thursday starting night, Thursday. first round. I have to. I have to admit. Uh, I think, and this probably because the Bears aren't picking until pick thirty. What do they got? Thirty nine and forty eight. 39 or 48. Yeah. 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 So they're, you know, second round. So they're not going to be, they're not going to be up until possibly day two, unless they figure out a way to trade up. So I haven't really been, you know, all, all in on the draft, but is there a consensus number one coming, coming into this draft? Well, that's why you guys pay me, you know, to handle all the draft stuff. That's right. (laughs) Yes, sir. And, and you're gonna get I don't know pay. what's going on. And you're gonna get what you pay for. <laughs> I have absolutely no freaking idea because this is number one. <laughs> that's 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 weird though, isn't it? Usually the number one we yeah. we usually know. Well, I, I'll say this: we didn't necessarily know the year that Trubisky was taken because it could have been a quarterback or it could have been Miles Garrett. Um, and so I think this is maybe closer to that. Well, it'll be a defensive player. It clearly won't be a quarterback. Um, but the, the crazy thing is. It could be any one of several defensive players, as opposed to the year when Miles Garrett came out. It was either going to be Miles Garrett, or maybe a quarterback, but that was pretty much it. Here, it could be Aiden Hutchinson out of Michigan, uh, edge rusher. It could be Trevon Walker, who's leapt leaps and bounds up the draft charts out of Georgia as an edge rusher. It could be Kayvon Thibodeau, who at the beginning of the year was pretty much thought to be most more than likely maybe the number one pick another edge rusher out of Oregon, or it could have been Evan Neal, who was a left tackle out of Alabama, or now it could be um, uh, another tackle they were talking about, uh, Icky out of uh, North Carolina State, although I, I think that was just more talk than, than substance. So, yeah, and here's the thing. The, does Jacksonville want to trade out of the first round? Do the Lions want to trade out of it? I mean, that's the first round, but the first pick overall? Do the Detroit Lions, who has a number two pick, do they want to trade out a number two pick? Because it's like no one knows who they want to take. <laughs> and sometimes mm-hmm. when that happens, you want to trade down to get more. So you, but no one really to wants get to get more up. picks, right? But the crazy thing is, it's like, is like, right. is, is there anybody that players, is there any team that a player wants that they really want to trade up to get? Because again, I just list, I just named three edge rushers who could be the number one pick. So why trade up if he can fall to me? <laughs> you know, so it's like teams want to don't mind trading down, but no one really wants to trade up. And so I think Jacksonville is going to be like, okay, I guess we'll just take make the first pick. And so when you think about Jacksonville, initially I would have thought Evan Neal, a left tackle, you want to protect uh, their franchise quarterback, right? But they re-signed their left tackle for like another like you know three years or so, and the guys on their offensive line have signed up. Just like there's no reason to take the number one pick at the same position. You just signed a guy an extensive con, you know, extending his contract to. So to me, I think they're going to go d- defense, and just like um, their quarterback is a face of the franchise offensively, I think you can add Aiden Hutchinson, and he can kind of be like JJ Watt was. He can be that defensive face of the franchise, kind of like when Houston had Deshaun Watson and uh, JJ Watt. It can kind of be similar in that regard. Um, so I think Aiden Hutchinson goes number one uh, to the dismay of maybe a lot of Detroit fans is Aiden Hutchinson's born and raised Michigan there. It would have been a nice story for the kid to stay, you know, in the home state, with the hometown team, that kind of stuff, a home state team. Uh, but I think Aiden Hutchinson goes number one. I think we'll see like last year, we saw three uh, quarterbacks go one, two, three. 
you might see three edge rushers, guys that are going to chase the quarterbacks. You might see that go one, two, three. Let me ask you, uh, Evan Neal, offensive tackle, Alabama. I think back to last year, uh, and Alabama always has a really good offensive line. Uh, uh, Alex Leatherwood was the was the guy from that offensive line, right? Yeah, but there was a lot of talk, as a, especially as the season wore on and the draft wore on, that he may not be first round. He might be better value in the second round. And considering the year and the season he had, it, it, yeah. It <laughs> so I was gonna say though, I don't, I don't remember like I said last year them talking about Evan Neal, and all of a sudden, Evan Neal's name kept climbing up the charts. What, what is it about Evan Neal that makes him this I, this, this special guy? Dude, I've seen athleticism for a man his size. Um, you don't have someone that big able to move that athletically laterally. Um, he has some dog in him where physically he imposes his will on teams. Um, he's versatile enough. He's played right tackle and left tackle. So his versatility also comes into play. Uh, he plays with great football acumen. Uh, he's usually not, you're not going to really fool him. Uh, he's quick enough that he can get back in his sets. And so you're not going to speed rush around him. He's long enough that he can extend you if you try to run around him. Um, he's quick enough and has enough nasty that if you try to come inside, he'll punish you. Uh, he's just a difficult person to get around. And not only that, but he's experienced. A lot of these guys coming out this particular year, um, not just at his position, but a lot of positions, you have guys who've been playing for like almost three seasons, which is kind of almost unheard of in some respects. Like a lot of, I'm talking first round, not, not the whole draft, but a lot of first round players, sometimes they may just have that one exceptional year where, you know, all of a sudden, you know, they were okay last year, then they had a great year, then they're coming out. You're going to see a lot of guys in the first round this year where they've got, you know, for offensive linemen and defensive linemen, how many snaps? If you're getting over 1,500 snaps, 2,000 snaps, that's considered a lot of experience in college. And he's, I think, around, he's, I think he's over 1,700 snaps. So an experienced guy who can do the things physically that you need. And just look at that one video where he does that box jump where he jumps up straight in the air and he splits. I forget how high the box, the, the plastic bag, plastic baggies are. They may be like six feet tall, maybe. And he jumps up in between them and then he splits his legs and he lands like a cat. <laughs> That's ridiculous. That is ridiculous. So he, he did you know, one of those. Remember, did you ever see the fridge video where he's jumping? Uh, out of a pool or something? On, no, 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 no. That's... That, that's um, that was... Um, a, that was another draft, Bears draft right, pick. Right. Um uh, damn, what was his name? I can't the, remember. The kid that name. jumped out of the pool. Everybody was like, wow, did you see that? He jumped out of a <laughs> right. pool. He's going to be an awesome, outstanding football player. <laughs> right. yeah, it didn't, didn't pan out. Uh, Fridge was, was jumping on tables. Oh, wow. I remember that. Check it. It's, 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 it's out there in, in, on the interweb okay. somewhere. It's pretty. <laughs> for, for somebody his size, it's, it was, right. you know what I'm saying, pretty yes. outstanding. But um, I, I don't think Evan Neal is going to be the first pick in the draft. I mean, I could be, yeah, I don't know who the first pick is going to be. They could surprise us, the Jaguar. I mean, look, if you put, if you draft Evan Neal, you can slide him. You can even have him play guard if you really need him to. And just think of how massive that line would be. Um, but yeah, I, I don't think Evan Neal will be the first pick. I think the team that takes him will be very happy. I've actually got him sliding all the way down to number seven. Wow. Who's okay. at seven? I, the Giants. I actually have him being the Giants' second pick. 
The Giants they had first two pick. top ten picks. They have two top ten picks. Yeah, I got I got the Giants. Oh, because one of those are ours, right? One of those are ours. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> As a matter of fact, that's our pick that I have him going. I uh, have Evan Neal going with our pick to the Giants at that number seven. But I've got the Giants taking uh, uh, Ekwonu out of North Carolina State, who is used, who is pretty much generally described as the most feared offensive lineman in the ACC this year. He plays with a different level of nasty. Um, and don't let his bespectacled visage fool you. He may wear glasses. Him and Evan Neal both, but those guys play with a lot of intensity. But but Ekwonu, his, his tenacity, it's just it, – it's it should be against the law. Uh, he, he is taking his frustrations and anger out on whoever is nearby. He's more physical than Neal. I think you'll get more from him running the ball offensively initially, but he's athletic enough that, you know, you, you, you stick him. If you make him the right tackle and, and, and Neil, uh, your left tackle, or Icky can actually play right guard or, or, or the play the interior as well. You'll have a devastating offensive line. And the, the Giants, they have those, if they draft those two guys, man, you're talking about offensive linemen that can stay on your team and be, you know, impactful for the next seven to 10 years. All right, so we mentioned the Bears are at 38. Who do you, who do you see falling? Oh, 39. Oh, 39. 39, excuse me. 39 and 48. Actually, I, I got it this way. I'll say this real quick. I, I was like, man, you know, <laughs> we don't know what's going to happen with this regime. We don't know how they, they draft, right? New general manager, new head coach. So I'm like, okay, if the head, co- if the, if the head coach has any influence with the general manager, to be like, hey, this is what I'm – Really, this can really help me, and we can kind of see if it, how much of the influence the head coach has. I see if the again, this is the Bears stay at, at, at their their picks 39 48, and I even got the their third round pick, which is number 71. I see them taking a, a cornerback, and I think Kyler Gordon out of Washington could fall to them. Uh, Kyler Gordon is not quite as good as his teammate, Trent McDuffie's a little bigger. Trent McDuffie is more all around and doesn't get out of position as much, but Gordon has a makeup speed. Gordon can, he breaks on the ball exceptionally well. He's got more size than Trent McDuffie does. And I think you put Gordon out there, you know, with the system that the Bears defense will be playing under, he has enough versatility that he can play man and, and, and zone, but I think he's a little bit better zone than he is man. Just think Kyler Gordon, it, it, it'll, it'll be a nice mirror with, with Johnson on the opposite side. And I can see us, you know, going there at that position uh, defensively. Now at 48, this is again where I say that the head coach has more influence. I think uh, Leal from uh, Texas A&M, uh, I think he has an opportunity. I mean, he's a defensive lineman and he has that versatility where he can play in a three technique, four technique or five technique. And I think Eberflus loves athletic defensive linemen who don't necessarily, just like, like when Lovey, when, when the Bears were playing with Lovey, how the defensive tackles weren't necessarily 320-plus type kind of guys. They were more like 290 to the Yeah, he, wanted, he wanted smaller guys so that they could, they could shoot the gaps. Right. Think, think, of DeMar, think of Leal as that type of dude to where he's going to be, he can get upfield, but he's still strong enough to play the run but just don't ask them to, you know, have to sustain, be, be quick and use your quickness to kind of diffuse and get behind and penetrate to stop the running game as opposed to trying to just, you know, go brute man-on-man type force. But I, I think I can see him there. So 
if the head coach has any influence, I think you'll see two defensive guys first. I don't think you'll see an offensive guy into the third round. And in that case, I see Alex, Alex Pierce out of uh, Cincinnati, the wide receiver. Uh, and he's also an Illinois product, played, he's from Glen Ellen, played at Glen Bard West. He's on Cincinnati's team. This guy's about 6'3, 215. He's got that straight line speed. He's an uh, all state uh, volleyball player when he was here. <laughs> he played his high school ball here in Illinois. He has the, the hops. I think he's got like close to about a 39 or 40. I will, how will his volleyball play uh, help his help football play? Yes, yes, please. Because he can, he can sky. Okay. He has that. Yeah, right. he, when you get him in the res right now, Pierce, he doesn't run the route tree uh, fully. You know, he still has to work on a lot of his route running, but he's a mismatch, you know, in terms of his athleticism when you're going for jump balls or you're going deep. Like a lot of his passes, you'll see if you watch his highlights, he catches a lot of deep balls and you see him kind of jumping over people and using his physicality. Plus, he's a hell of a blocker. And when you listen to Eberflus, one of the things he said is that the onus of the offense this season is going to be on the running game. So I can see the Bears drafting a big wide receiver to help with that running game, but also help uh, Justin when it gets into the red zone, look for red zone targets. Justin throws a great deep ball, and he can definitely put some air underneath it, and he has that kind of touch on his passes around the goal line that I can see that being a nice combo, especially when you have a, a young wide receiver and a young quarterback. You know, sometimes the plays break down. You know what, hey, just go here and I get you the ball. I can see that kind of happening with Alec Pierce. Now, that's if the head coach has the influence. If it's just a general manager drafting, I think we might see uh, offense more so than defense initially. I like Sky Moore out of Western Michigan. He's not a big receiver. He's about 5'9", 195, but he's solid. Just think Steve Smith-like. He has that type of ability. Um, he is quick as all get-out, dude. I mean, you put him in a phone booth, he's still going to find a way to get open. So that short area quickness – and the Bears are definitely targeting someone in the slot. And that could be that third down person that makes that kind of connection with Justin when they need those, you know, those third, third and four, third and five, third and seven type kind of yards. But he has a physicality and he plays strong enough that if you try to put any hands on him, if he's in the slot, he's going to beat that. But I think he has an upside to where just like Steve Smith, he can eventually be a boundary receiver as well. And I think he's strong enough to get off of any kind of press coverage. He's got really good hands, and he's good after the run as well. Uh, I like Sky Moore a lot. I think he's not going to be a first-round pick because of his, his height. I think you've got other receivers out there. People are going to always kind of skew towards a taller receiver. Um, so I, I can see him going. And then uh, Tyler Smith, uh, uh, kind of an offensive guard slash tackle out of uh, Tulsa. Uh, his athleticism, and that's the kind of stuff. He, he really kind of reminds me of the guard that the uh, – Bills are trying, or that the Bills resign when the Bears are trying to sign a, a free agent, and the Bills, uh, Bills blocked that and 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 and, and, and signed him so the Bears couldn't get him. Tyler Smith kind of reminds me of, of the guard that the Bills retained. So I see a guy who can play anywhere on the offensive line, but he gives you that interior push and athleticism that can help you when you're pulling or running screens, things that can help again a young, a young, young, young quarterback in terms of uh, protecting him, but also allowing the running game to be part of your offense. And then as far as defensive player with the 71st pick overall, I see Kobe Bryant out of Cincinnati. Uh, he was a Thorpe Award winner. And he, just think Peanut Tillman. I'll just say that. Just think Peanut Tillman when it comes to Kobe Bryant. So thus if the head coach or if the general manager are having, you know, who has more, who's making more of the, the you know, the, the definitive picks or who has more influence, 
All that being said, throw everything I said out the window. The, the Bears are going to trade down. I see the Bears trading down because they don't have a lot of picks. And if they want to build through the draft, they're going to need to get picks. I can see them trading possibly with the Atlanta Falcons and trading down. And if they do that, I can see them picking so up a fourth trading, round pick. Trading down from two? Trade, stay, still staying in the second round, but just trading down positions. Okay. So, for example, the Bears have the 39th and 48th pick in the draft, right? If they make a trade, let's just say it's with Atlanta. They'll get Atlanta's – Atlanta has uh, two picks in the second round, too. They'll get Atlanta's 43rd and 58th, so they switch second-round picks. But to do that, then the Bears pick up additional picks. They pick up Atlanta's uh, – Right. They pick up Atlanta's uh, fourth-round pick, which is 114, and then pick up maybe their fifth-round pick, which is 150. So if that's the case, if you're the Bears and you're a Bears fan, if they make that deal with Atlanta, say it's something – what I mentioned, the Bears then would have eight picks in the draft, which, you know, they started out with just mm. five. So they move up to eight picks. Atlanta would also end up with eight picks, so they don't have to feel like they're really screwing themselves. And both teams still need to build through the draft. And so both teams will still have opportunity to do so. So now the Bears will have the 43rd pick, the 58th pick, the 71st pick, 114, 148, 150, 151. And that's where they can definitely make some hacks. There's less teams in the middle of where you're picking. So you can definitely kind of control the middle part of that draft uh, if you're doing so. And that's in the fifth round. And then in with one pick 186. So I, I see it. If they do that, some of those players may still be there. I can still see them picking up Sky Moore, you know, and then maybe pick up Roger McCreary, a cornerback out of Auburn, who, again, doesn't have that, that deep speed per se, but he's a killer as far as a nickel corner. That's where he can live easily right now. Like he could start today as a nickel corner with the upside to be a boundary corner. And then uh, with the last pick, probably the, the third pick overall, on that third pick, I'm sorry, the, the, uh, the, third, the third round pick, they can still go with a player, like uh, I, I take that back. They can still pick up Tyler Smith, Sky Moore, and then Kobe Bryant. So they can still get some of those same type guys. Just you know, just drop down a little bit. So I don't. I don't think they lose anything by trading down. They can still get the type of players that they want, but pick up additional picks. Hey, all all I'm gonna say is that's why he's the GM, people. <laughs> <laughs> Man, he just ran down a lot. Yeah. And I, I kind of like I kind of I kind of like the lot of it. I kind of like the idea of trading down to get more picks if we're still going to have two second rounds. Yes, I like that idea honestly. Uh, so we'll see. And I, I tell you, man, if that happened, Atlanta is a team that that I, I really see them do because Atlanta may want a certain player. You know, the Bears are going to be in that position because they're still high enough in the second round to where if some players are falling from the first round that you didn't expect to be there teams are going to want to trade up and that's where the bears can maximize their positioning to get some additional draft pick, whether it's Atlanta or some other team. I just picked Atlanta because they could exchange second round picks and they could still benefit the bears and still benefit the Falcons. But uh, I think the bears, nothing, all, it all being said and done, I think the bears are, are going to be the team that trades down in the draft. I don't see them trading up because we're not one player away. We're not two players away. We need a lot of players. That's it. As 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 you are a GM, would you rather uh, draft for for a specific need, or get uh, just get the best player available that's on that's on your board? Yes. Yes. To yes. All? <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, it's, it's crazy because this draft is deep 
pretty much at the positions where the Bears need the most help. The Bears don't need a running back. This draft isn't deep in running back. The Bears can use a linebacker. But right now, there are other things in our defense that they can probably use more so to help them out. And that's the defensive line and their, their secondary situation, which is, are more in dire need. Roquan can kind of, kind of hold it down a little bit there in the linebacking core. Um, you put somebody that's good next to be great, but good next to them, and you can you can be okay. So linebacker, and this is not a deep draft for linebacker, so I'm not really – the Bears shouldn't really focus on that. Um, and then obviously quarterback, we're not in that market at this point. And tight end, and it's not deep at tight end, and right now we're not a tight end away from being great, so not necessarily a focus. What the Bears do need is defensive line help. It's deep with a defensive line. The Bears need secondary help, deep at corner, deep at safety. Bears definitely need some receiver help. It's deep in receiver. So I see the Bears in offensive line. The Bears can use better offensive line or at least make that offensive line room a lot more competitive and a lot more versatile and kind of try to configure it to the type of offense that we're going to have. And this is a draft to do that. So I think getting more picks allows the Bears to be able to get more players. And right now, if that's the case, is and it falls to the best player when that draft comes up, but once you get that position, now you can focus on the other need that you have that you didn't address. So they can address all their needs up and down this draft board. They just need to have the collateral to be able to do that. They need to have enough picks to be able to do that. And that's why trading down makes the most pragmatic sense. I can see them taking four offensive players and, and four defensive players if they're able to get eight picks. And that can definitely go to you know developing the type of team that you want to have. Right. Sounds like you've done your research. I have no idea what's going on. I'm still, I, if I had any hair, I'd have lost it already. <laughs> hey, by the way, looking on, on these draft boards, uh, I see the highest rated Gremlin State player being a guy named, uh, is it Ross? What is this guy's name? I don't know if you're asking me or if you're asking Smoke. I'm asking both of you. You guys should know these things. And, uh, He's asking you. I'm, I'm going I'm I'm to say right now, I haven't gotten down to the sixth round or seventh round of uh, what the bear. I, I, I'll put it this way. I, I don't know enough about that young man to, uh, to, to be able to elicit any cogent response. <laughs> so um, good luck, young man, when the draft comes. No, I'm mad at myself. I had it pulled up here, and then I, I, I think I accidentally got rid of it. I, I will say this. I, I think you'll see a number of, of players from smaller schools, so to speak, be taken in this draft because I, I, I hate to sound cliche and say it's, it's a deep draft because you, you'll hear that a lot, but it, it, it really is. And I think due in part to that, there'll be a number of players, and there's a lot of compensatory picks this, this year as well. Um, and I think that's where you'll see a lot of these players – that may have been free agents, they'll be, they'll be scooped up. Um, and I, I can talk about compensatory picks on another, uh, <laughs> another podcast because it's interesting. And the Bears did not pick up any, and they could have. So, you know, but, but the Bears, by giving away, like, uh, for example, one of the compensatory picks revolves around uh, if you have, if a team has a, a person of, of color or, you know, on, on, their, on, their, on their staff, and let's say they move to a position that's higher than the one they were at. 
the team that loses them gets a compensatory pick. So, for example, the Kansas City Chiefs picked up a pick when we signed Poles as our GM. Mm-hmm. So they got an additional pick. And I, 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 off the top of my head, I don't know if it's fourth round. I think it may be end of the third round where the Chiefs picked up another pick because Ryan Poles was hired. Same thing for uh, the 49ers has done that back-to-back years when Salah left and became the head coach of the Jets. And now when um, McDaniel. Mike Daniels, McDaniels, thank you, left and went to uh, the Miami Dolphins. So you're going to, you know, and it's not just coaches, it's also GMs, like as I mentioned with the Chiefs example. So whether it's a person, you know, in the front office or, or the coaching staff, so there's some compensatory picks. And our team can't have any more than four in a given season, in a given year, but there are a number of teams that have, you know, several compensatory picks. And I think you'll see players from HBCUs or some of the smaller schools you'll see them picked up and drafted this year. And they'll take, you know, they'll, they'll take chances on them more so because they've got that extra quote unquote extra pick. Kobe Ross, wide receiver, Grambling State, six foot 170. Yeah, sounds like a slot guy um, to some degree. I, at 170, I don't know how much he's going to be coming off press coverage in the NFL. Uh, initially, like, you know, he's got, I don't know what his speed is or his measurables, but a guy like him, special teams and being able to be that slot receiver. And, you know, we got to see what his drop rate is, uh, you know, his catch drop rate. If it's extremely uh, low, then, yeah, he may be viable. But a guy like him come from Grambling, he probably needs to hit f- sub 445, like he's 442, 443, something like that. Then I-, I can see. But there's so many receivers coming out this year. He might get lost in the, in the shuffle. Right. Heard it there. Uh, by the way, uh, uh, Smoke, I saw your Grambling guys. They also uh, threw a threw a uh, perfect game. Perfect game, yes. Shamar Page leads the nation in strikeouts. If not leads, he's definitely like top three in the mm-hmm. nation in strikeouts. That's yeah. awesome. That's awesome. Transfer from Louisiana Tech. So, All right. yeah. Good stuff. Good stuff. Always like to uh, like to brag on HBCUs outstanding way that's going to do it for this week's edition of the easy smoke and the gm podcast we wanted to once again thank the great kendall gill for joining us uh earlier in the podcast talking some bulls uh we greatly appreciate you the listener uh if it wasn't for you we wouldn't be here you can catch our podcast on apple Podcasts, google spotify stitcher tune in iheart radio amazon or wherever you find your favorite podcast you can also catch us at hp53productions.com there you find a link to our podcast as well as the super duper podcast hosted by rob griggs and the father good podcast hosted by marshall givens and kenny stevenson yo glenn yes sir please take us out hey like I always say, we ain't saying we're right. We just don't think we're wrong. We'll catch you next week. Go Bulls. Hey.